You're listening to Out of the Box with Rosie Tran. You can check us out on iTunes or Stitcher Radio and like us or leave a comment if you enjoy the podcast. Uh, we are sponsored by HugMeTees.com. HugMeTees.com. Spread love. Give a hug. HugMeTees.com. I'm excited I'm here today with Tim Peterson, author of the Men Talk series, and also he has a blog, mentalk.org. How are you doing today, Tim? Good. Thank you. How are you doing? Good. It's a little crazy here in LA. We're having the Santa Ana winds, which is like this crazy windstorm. So, <laughs> Yeah, we we had a flash flood today, and then there's, I guess there's tornadoes out, out west. Pretty strange. Yeah, I think... Uh, the world's just ending. <laughs> so, yeah, it's very funny. <laughs> it, it is. There's there's flash flooding. There was a flash flood today in Pensacola. It was the g- biggest amount of rain that's ever fallen on record there in a 24-hour period. It was two feet. So Mother Nature's just mad at us. She's, she's angry. <laughs> yeah, maybe it's not ending. How about we call it transitioning? <laughs> transformationaling um <laughs> so let's talk about your series um and a little bit about your background some of my listeners might, might not be familiar with you you have a really cool uh book series called men talk and you were a therapist for many years and how did you get into you know deciding to write a book you were doing therapy for a while and then what happened actually it was way back in the 90s and i i was just thinking about some of the things that I'd experienced and some of the things that I had heard. And I just decided to start writing them down. <clears throat> and the thing about the books is <clears throat> it, it's, it's only people that I've been around. It, it's not like, oh, I heard a quote on Letterman or I heard somebody say something funny on Leno and let me write that down. It's only people that I've either been around or have known uh, and a number of my own experiences as well. And so and and they're all anonymous. Um, so they're not they're not colored by um, where a person comes from. Very neutral. But, yeah, I just thought I would write these things down. And I wanted to write things down that I thought people would relate to things that were entertaining and things that people could could learn something from like one of the major themes of the book is you can read these quotes and and see that you're you're not alone with your thoughts or your feelings or your experiences uh, you know it might be like anything from uh, sexual desires fetishes to um, relationship struggles, even with um, relationship struggles with children, um, drug and alcohol, meaning of life stuff. So it's it's a pretty vast uh, um, grouping of material. Did you notice a, a common thread? I mean, you've talked to dozens and dozens of men, maybe hundreds, thousands. What would you say? I would say I've listened <laughs> to uh, probably hundreds. Hundreds. And did you see, did you notice any common thread among men that I guess maybe you didn't realize because it's not something that's talked about in, you know, the mainstream or out in the open that was part of this private thoughts and feelings of about men behind closed doors? That's a really good question. And 
actually, I it's I think more along the lines of diversity in outlook rather than <clears throat> a general answer. So I, in a way, that could be um, a common thread that everybody has a different <laughs> experience <laughs> or view. But but maybe a common thread or theme might be that um, we all have struggles and doubts and fears and um, underlying uh, emotions, whether it be anxiety or anger or that kind of a thing. The only reason I ask is because, you know, sometimes I think we get a little egomaniacal and can think we're so unique or so different. And I know I did a women's workshop where we were all talking about our problems and kind of dealing with certain issues. And even though there was such an age gap between many of the women and even an ethnicity gap, it seemed like we all had a lot of the same issues dealing with men, dealing with family, dealing with relationships. It just seemed like for me, it made me feel very connected to the women because it made me feel like I wasn't alone, like you said, but also it made me realize that maybe I'm more similar to someone that I wouldn't think so just by looking at them. So that's the only reason I asked that. It's a very good point. <clears throat> the, I really, really for me, I see there are a lot of similarities in terms of struggles, but there are also different viewpoints, especially from a spiritual perspective. But yeah, good, good question. Did you do you feel like people's belief systems sometimes cause their own problems? <clears throat> I think so. Uh, that that's a very um, uh, insightful statement. Oh, uh, but <clears throat> I should qualify that. Like I've said before, I am an ex- existentialist, so <clears throat> I wouldn't label things as much as um, good or bad, good or evil. Uh, I wouldn't even label it as a problem. I would label it as an experience. Um, so it's it's along those lines. I, I don't really see problems as much as challenges or just aspects of life. But I, I do get what you're saying in terms of <laughs> our outlook, our frame of references, our perceptions of things. That absolutely impacts whether it really impacts. Let's go with... Um, Comfort. What's, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> what's comfortable? How you how you like something? How something makes you miserable? Like the classic example is two people walk out. It's all perceptual. Two, two people walk out. <laughs> California. It's ninety degrees out. It's, one person's like, "Oh my God, what a beautiful sunny day! I got <laughs> vitamin D in my on my skin, and I'm gonna. It's so nice and warm." And the next person. His perception is he walks out, oh, my God, I don't have my sunglasses. I'm getting blinded. <laughs> and my skin is getting browned and burned. And, oh, I'm so hot. I'm sweating already. So you can take that to many different aspects of a person's outlook, whether it's uh, emotional, whether it's a thicker or a thinner skin. So, yeah. Or on the same note, maybe the same person goes out in 90 degrees one day and they're having a great mood and they just think it feels great and the next day they're in a horrible mood and they go out and they go, oh, it's so hot. <laughs> Very good point. 
because that's something I do. You know, it seems like if I'm in a really good mood, everything around me, or if I'm coming from a place of positive energy that day, everything around me seems to go in my favor. And then, you know, sometimes you wake up on the wrong side of the bed or you're moody for whatever reason. And it just seems like everything kind of, I don't know if it's law of the attraction or karma or what, but it, for me, it seems like when things are good, they're good. And when it rains, it pours. (laughs) And you wonder if you, if you were experiencing that's, if you were having a rough day and you, if you could tweak your, your outlook, if you would suddenly see those same experiences as positive ones, (laughs) or at least, you know, something that is different, something that isn't so oppressive or, or, I mean, there's so many different ways to look at frame of reference stuff and perception. I, sometimes I really feel like a lot of it is just um, mind candy, just gibberish, <laughs> <laughs> just, talk, just talk and BS because I'm pretty strong emotionally and... Um, I talk a big talk about being calm and cool, and I'm not so sure how how calm and cool I would stay if if the heat was really on. Like I recently moved, and mass. I know. <laughs> so for those of you listeners who don't know, Tim was a guest on the podcast last week, and we had so many audio problems we had to reschedule because of the move. So. <laughs> Yeah. That episode will not be released. <laughs> yeah, so when the heat was on for me and there was a, there was a lot of change instead of feeling very calm and embracing the change I felt challenged emotionally and I felt uncomfortable and I guess that's normal but anyway, I thought I would be more relaxed. Actually, moving is considered one of the most stressful things that a person can do. Um, and I'm not sure why, maybe because we have our lives, you know, we're like little pack rats and we have our lives kind of in our little area and then we have to move it. And, and I don't know, but moving is supposed to be one of the most stressful activities that a person can do. So I don't think you're alone with that one. I think to my credit, although this doesn't count much, I, I hung in and, uh, cause I left somebody that I cared for. And so that was a big part of it, but Anyway, <clears throat> there are more interesting aspects to my life. <laughs> you wanna go on. So, well, let's talk about. You mentioned existentialism. So, I have you know read a couple existential novels and other things, and I know a little bit about it. But for some of my listeners, they might be not be that familiar with that viewpoint on life. So, you know, maybe you can talk a little bit more about. You said you're an existentialist. What does that mean? Uh, for me, existentialism is more a focus on things just being what they are. It's your existence. <clears throat> You're not labeling it as good or bad. You're not labeling. Is that is that the it is what it is type of mentality? In a sense, like a classic example, if you look at it from an existence. Okay, here's a, here's an example that I often use. So, like a homeless person, most people would label that. Uh, that experience as rough because they're out in the elements. Maybe they live in a box struggling for food. They're in danger of being robbed or raped or killed. Uh, they don't really have a lot of creature comforts. Um, no real medicine. Um, 
no real roof, so it's cold or it's hot. Um, now, from an existential point of view, if you you can look at that in a lot of ways. You can you can also look at it like it, as the greatest life ever. Why? No bills, no nine to five, total freedom. <laughs> right. No insurance to pay for. No medical insurance. No car payment. You can you can go anywhere you want as long as you can get there or walk there. Food is free. If you do get medical care, it's free. You you have no boss on your back 40 to 60 hours a week. So from an existential point of view, it's neither good or bad. It's just the experience. It's just existence. And I think the same can be said for like somebody would look at Donald Trump and say, the guy's got the greatest, greatest life. He's practically he's a modern day king. He lives in a like a modern day castle surrounded by gold with a beautiful wife and he's got a lot of attention and he's a billionaire. There's nothing he can't buy. There's nowhere he can't go. He eats the best food. Sounds pretty great. But if you look at that from another way, you can also label that as a very oppressive life. He's responsible for tens of thousands of people, their jobs. He's always under the spotlight. He's got a lot. He's open game for people making fun of him. (laughs) Yep, he's got that hair issue, and, <laughs> and so he's got. <laughs> he probably the works forty to sixty hours a week, maybe eighty hours a week. He so, probably, yeah, probably eighty. It's probably closer to eighty. So there, so there, you have a life that seems very clearly amazing, but it could also be labeled as very oppressive, constantly being watched, constantly being badgered. So the point is. I don't really look at that. I don't look at things as negatives. I, I, f- I feel that they can be a drag, but I think life is experiences, and the more, the more darker, the darker the elements you add to it, the tougher it can be. But I don't see Do it you, as a negative either. Do you use that type of viewpoint to counsel your clients in that, in that manner? Uh, I do actually. I the the viewpoint that I I use is it's kind of simple though. It's not widely accepted. It, it's I look at a person as perfect, perfect the way you are. Let's say as an example, a drug addict. I'm not looking at you as a person with a drug problem. I'm looking at that person as perfect the way they are because in an, in a very strange way. You can look at a drug problem as better than the alternative. So the drug problem might be a coping mechanism that helps them avoid suicide. But what I'm getting to is if you come to me and say, look, I've got a drug problem, then I don't see it as a problem and I don't see you as having problems. What I see is a person that has issues we can work on together to find a more effective way of dealing with whatever the issues are, plus the drug or alcohol issues, the emotional issues, the, some of the past stuff. So that's how I look at counseling. Everybody's fine. And I mean that no matter what your deal is. But when you come to me and say, I need help, then I'm on board with finding solutions that we and truthfully, it's not just solutions. It's because I'm not sitting there giving answers. 
we were working together to figure out a better route. Well, I guess you would, as an existentialist, you would say, you know, that's just what it is. But I think that's a very positive <laughs> way to look at things. <laughs> uh, so thank you. Um, so how how did you get about what what is your story? I know that you were in the military for a bit and you, you know, kind of moved back home and um, tell, tell us a little bit about your past, because I think that is very important to shaping who you are today and obviously your experiences and which lead to the information that you're providing in your blog and and your book as well. Uh, it's a 1981-ish, two-ish, one-ish, I think, and I'm getting hammered with my brother because he graduated. <laughs> and I get on my motorcycle and 80 miles an hour through a stop sign. And, and were you dr- drunk at the time? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't sure if your brother was getting hammered and you were just there. <laughs> you said your brother was getting hammered. Yeah, we were getting hammered. And I Together. tore this Camaro. It was a really nice one too, a Z28. Tore it apart. And so that's why I went into the Army because I had nothing. So Army, job, pay, training. And then I, <laughs> and then I, I get out and I want to be my own boss. So I go into body work, massage, then chiropractor school. And, um, and then when I'm in chiropractor school, I've got problems, <laughs> uh, anxiety, relationship stuff, s- self-image, self-confidence, self-esteem, all the selves, and um, anger, which is, ma- which is expressed with sarcasm and cynicism and blame, blamer. So I got all this junk and I'm not feeling too good internally. So I step into this chi- this therapist's office at the chiropractor school and I'm like, I need help now. <laughs> Stat. <laughs> and he said, all right, sit down. And that was a life changer because I was like, I don't want to work on people's bodies. This mental health counseling is the stuff. It was because it's so interesting and you're – People are sharing the most interesting aspects of their lives, the pain, the, the challenges, abuse. And, it was, and you've got to think on your feet if you want to be an effective therapist. You can't just like parrot what they say. And it's very challenging. You've got to be on your toes, paying attention, and if you really want to help people. And I loved it. And um, so I went and got that degree. And in terms of my um, books, there's a lot of, uh, there's a, I, well, in terms of my spiritual, let's call it, because I'm sort of an atheist slash agnostic slash, truthfully, I'm, I don't even know what I am. What I, what I do know <laughs> is that I don't know the truth. from a spiritual perspective that is the only fact that I know in terms of a spiritual outlook that I do not know the truth and who can it's a personal thing and it's faith based so you can try and sell me all day long on heaven and hell and God and Jesus you ain't proven anything to me so and because I don't judge I'm not saying that those things aren't true or valid. I'm just saying you, it's hard to prove if at all. There could, there, that stuff could exist all day long. 
I don't care one way or the other. So I explored. From, you know, I, I checked out. I've actually failed Sunday school. <laughs> <laughs> we, we were going to Sunday school, and they were blasting us with these tests, and it was in the summer. So we used to go to the beach every weekend, and I come back at the end of the summer, and there's a final. Tests? F. <laughs> what kind of Sunday school did you go to? <laughs> F. And so, and my mother. Standardized testing in the 80s. And um, my mother was a spiritual seeker, so she laid all these books on me like Hinduism, Buddhism, Taoism, past lives, crystals, all the new age stuff, Atlantis. So, uh, you know, I hopped on that for a while. And then one day I I was doing volunteer work. I did it for years. And I'm hanging out with this guy who was kind of he 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 he, he kind of was a born again. And and I was I would have perceived myself at the time as an as an open minded spiritual person, thinking, you know, I die, I'll probably go to some other realm. There's my grandmother and my dog and blah blah blah, and karma, you know, try to do good stuff because that's what you want back and yin yang. So I was into that, and I'm like, hey man, all those books that you're trying to push on me, there's no facts in those books. I was questioning his belief system. I said, that's just a belief system. There's no facts. And I said to myself, what about my own belief systems? I've been buying into them for all these years. And I don't know if any of it's factual. So that's when it hit me. It was probably around 07. I was like, I really don't know anything. (laughs) Because you can run all day long with what a spiritual leader says whether it's buddha or jesus or gandhi (laughs) whoever you're into (laughs) so moses you can go all day long with that but none of it's fact well i think that you make a really good point and it's a really good thing to question constantly because i think a lot of people don't question enough and i think that really we're, as far as belief systems go, we're just making things up or believing things that other people tell us or believing things that are are made up, you know, um, because you can say, well, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, whatever, wrote the Bible and they got it from God. But that's that's not a fact. Like you said, that's something they got it, whether it was def- divinely brought down to them through God or whether they were, you know, nutbags and just made it up. We, we really don't know. So it's really, really a good idea, I think, regardless of what you have grown up with, to choose a belief system, since we do have choice, that is going to be healthy. And I think that's really important, more than one that, you know, you grew up with or whatever, the one that's going to be healthy for you. So I I think I talked about this in another podcast with um, uh, Daniele Bolelli. If you're going to be a Christian, that's fine, but choose the version of Christianity that is about love. That's about tolerance. That's about not the one that's about, you know, an eye for an eye about being, you know, enslaving people because that there's a part of, you know, that in the Bible too. And the same thing with, you know, if you're going to be a Buddhist, choose the version that is the healthiest and a positive version, not because every religion, whether it's Muslim, Christianity, whatever has a, you know, has a version that maybe not negative or positive, like you said, but a little bit healthy and a little bit kind of kooky. 
<laughs> I'm with you, I, and I get. So choose the version that's like not the kooky version. That's like bashing people and saying that they're they're evil doers and stuff. <laughs> well, you bring up you actually bring up some very good points, and I I've worked for quite a while on um, tolerance and compassion, non-judgment. So <clears throat> I hear what you're saying, and from a Judeo-Christian uh, perspective or ethic, that makes sense. <clears throat> but f- the way that I look at it is, I don't like an eye for an eye, or like 40 virgins and blah, 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 if you blow up the infidels. Yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't, or, or even, let's say, uh, s- Satan worship, Satanism, I... I myself don't see those as wrong. I see them because they're different. They're just different from the way I wouldn't. I, I, I don't. I'm not, well, I'm not saying wrong. I'm just saying I'm not saying wrong. I'm saying, saying healthy saying or unhealthy. You're saying I'm healthy. Saying... And that's a very personal thing. So <laughs> for those Muslims that <clears throat> are dialed into that um, belief system, that is healthy for them. And that works for them. And that's why... Uh, that's why for me, I wouldn't, I may not resonate with that and I may not want to do what they do, but I don't see it as wrong. I strictly see it as different. I don't want to do it, but it works for them. And like the eye for an eye. So you don't think that, okay, so you don't think, so for, let's use, let's use um, Islam. So there's a version of Islam that's more about love and more uh, about, being a good person and then there's a version of islam that's about killing infidels and doing all these other things you don't think that an ideology that's backed by murder and um what is it where you're you're always right and the other person's always wrong um anyway that type of mentality is is unhealthy where if it's bringing about such fundamentalism when it's when it's bringing about such angry emotions or even with Christianity, there's versions of Christianity that's about love thy neighbor, you know, love your brother. And then there's versions that are like gay people are evil. They're going to hell. Everyone's going to hell. You know, you're born in original sin. It's like maybe you don't see it as wrong, but I definitely think that it's it could be classified as unhealthy because the the version of, of Christianity that you're living is based on a lot of anger and judgment. I don't see it as unhealthy because that that person that resonates with that, that utilizes that, <clears throat> that belief system, it's healthy for them. <laughs> so if you try to force Catholicism on them or Buddhism, that would be unhealthy, even though it does, it creates some form of um, dissonance or anger or <clears throat> uh, death. Here's, here's something that here's something to think about. We, we really don't know. We only know the black and white of it. We only know how it impacts. That's why I say I don't know the truth because you don't. Let's okay. Let's use an example of karma. So <clears throat> karma. Uh, you you're in the you're in the spirit realm and you you've got karma to uh, live out if you want to finally let go of um, the cycle of life and death from a, whatever, a Hindu perspective. You keep living your life until you reach what is perceived as perfection, um, you know, playing out your karma, giving back, or whatever it is. 
So you choose a body, you choose a life, and your karma is uh, because, let's say, you killed somebody in a past life. Now, I'm not just making all this stuff up. These are belief systems of Hindus, and there's a lot of them. So these people believe. All right. Now, I killed somebody in a past life, so my karma is to die from murder. Or I raped somebody in a past life, so my karma is to be raped. Or I was a glutton in a past life. My karma might be to suffer with hunger or, or die of starvation. So what I'm saying is you, you and I, when I say you, I don't mean you, Rosie. I mean people. We don't know why people are here. So, so you're saying... So you're saying if someone is choosing a version that maybe I consider unhealthy, I don't know if it's unhealthy or not unhealthy because we don't know the purpose of their life. Is that what you're saying? You don't know the big picture. You, you and I, we don't know the big picture. If there is such a thing as a karma, if there is such a thing as an afterlife, if there is such a thing as yin and yang, if you are paying back karmic debt. We don't know. Then maybe maybe what they're doing that I'm seeing as unhealthy is actually healthy for them. Is is that is that it? It might be. Okay, here's, <laughs> here's an example. Here's an example that I often use. Um, that is, it's a it's a dark example. Okay, but it can be. Okay, so I am not into genocide, <clears throat> and I'm not a Nazi, and I don't like Hitler. But here's an example. So Hitler, <clears throat> he brutally murders, <clears throat> senselessly murders, or is responsible for the murder of whatever, whatever it is, six or seven million <clears throat> Jewish people. <clears throat> okay, so black and white, genocide, horrible. There's no real good way to look at that. There's no way to look at it in a positive way. But if you look at it from a karmic perspective, which... We really don't even know if karma exists. So let's say those people chose to die, chose to suffer, chose to live short lives, chose to experience uh, torture, chose to experience um, that kind of physical horror. Because in past lives, <clears throat> they had <clears throat> caused the same. Maybe they were Huns. Maybe they were, you know, torturing. Is that what you're saying? Maybe they were part of another dynasty back in the 1200s that was raping and pillaging. Is is that the... What I'm saying is, if there is karma, we don't know. But we don't know if Hitler may have facilitated that karma. But, but because of the way we label things or, or see things in, su in such a black and white way, it can only be looked at as bad. But if you look at it from the... If it can be looked at from a bigger picture, that is more than just from the earth plane, what I'm saying is, again, I'm not for it. What I'm saying is I don't know the truth other than the very black and white truth, which, it, which was it was cruel and horrible. But from a bigger perspective. All right, here's another example. Let's say uh, a woman is raped, black and white. There's nothing, there's no way to s sell that as good. Her life She's physically almost ruined, emotionally destroyed, okay? Rapist, monster. People would say, oh, he's got to go to jail. He should be castrated. He should be raped. Uh, eye for an eye. It's uh, blah, blah, blah. Okay, so now the woman, the rape victim, she opens up a website, and, and she opens up a center, 
and the centers spread around the country and the centers help people to watch out for the potential of rape to to fight during rape and to deal with rape if it does occur and millions of people go onto that website and hundreds of thousands of people go to those centers so that that horrible that horrible act of rape by this monster this monster actually indirectly facilitates something positive for literally millions of people so that's what i'm saying what i'm saying is it's easy to label things in a very black and white obvious way and that's what we do like you were saying we're taught we're taught what we were supposed to believe whether it's political or spiritual or even sexual we're taught how to think but I'm not sure about the answers because I I just don't know. And I'm not sure everything is so black and white. I tend to look at things like, like I said, it might be more. It might be different. It might. Yes, it's obviously horrible being raped. But if it indirectly, you know, that's what that's all I'm saying. I just don't really know for sure. Because things can lead to other things which can be positive or negative or or whatever they may be. You, the incident shouldn't be judged or the person shouldn't be judged at that specific time because we don't know what's going to happen. If that, if that rapist hadn't done that, millions of people would not have been helped. So it's, it can be looked at in so many ways, and it's obviously horrible. I, I hate to even bring up these examples because I don't want people to think that I'm, I'm pro-rape or that I'm pro-genocide <laughs> or that I'm, I'm not a neo-Nazi. So I'm none of those things. What I'm saying is I think we can look at things in a lot of different ways. Or truthfully, I don't care if you do. For me, this is what works. I don't just look at things in a black and white way. There's a lot of ways to look at things. And that's all. And if a person looks at things in a very black and white way, I, I'm cool with that. I don't judge that. I don't want you to think the way I do. I don't care how you think. <laughs> that's the whole <laughs> point. <laughs> Whatever works for you. And that, that's from a spiritual perspective, from a sexual perspective. I don't care if you drink urine all day long and that's the <laughs> greatest thing for you. I don't care if you want to screw your, your German shepherd. I don't see that as wrong. I see that as your own personal interests and no. What about what about people who are who are doing things? What is your opinion on what about people who are doing things that are in fact hurting other people? I mean, you know, there's a lot of ways to look at that: pain, emotional discomfort, mental discomfort, physical discomfort. It can break a person, but in most, in a lot of cases, discomfort is what what force is what challenges us to become stronger. You, you develop a thicker skin. You become stronger emotionally because of challenges in our life. So you would have to qualify the pain, the specific pain, the, the specific damage. Okay, person- so, what, so we use the rape example. So what if somebody was raped and you're saying, you know, you don't want to judge them. You don't know if that's going to lead to something more positive. Or if you had a client that came in and said, you know, Tim, I'm, I'm a rapist. I can't control myself. Would you... I mean, how would you handle that? Would you say, well, that's, you know, ju- 
just your thing and we'll see what happens? Or would you say, hey, you know, maybe you shouldn't be doing this? No, <laughs> no, I would not say, hey, that's just your thing because I, I don't condone that. And you, the way that you state that is I'm a rapist. What should I do? Or I need help with this. And that's different. That's a person that comes to me and says, I've got an issue and I need help with it because I don't want to keep doing this. Uh, uh, the thing is, like, you can't fix, you can't fix it all. So there's, it's kind of like the ebb and flow of life, the ups and downs, the pain and the joy. Like, who's got a life that is perfect at all times? So some of the things that we face are uncomfortable, prickly. Some of the things that we face are unbelievably painful to the point where you're broken emotionally. And like, like even like if you look at Viktor Frankl, the the people he's what he was one of the men that was in I think it was Auschwitz, and it it was interesting because the impact is different on people. Some people that are being starved to death and and watching their family members taken from them or murdered in front of them, they wither and die. They give up. Others, they they make it, but they're broken. And others. They, they find a way to survive, and in some ways, they are strengthened from it. Um, and some people thrive from it. I have a girlfriend. Her grandparents were in the Nazi concentration camps. They're Jewish. And she said her, her grandparents could not seem more appreciative about being alive and have such a positive outlook on life because of that. What a good point. So there you go. Like a challenge in life. And it doesn't get much more horrible <laughs> unless you're actually being tortured <laughs> as a prisoner. I, I mean, it's actually it's pretty it's pretty horrible no matter what being in a concentration camp, especially a Nazi concentration camp. So and those people took something amazing, very from, dark to, and yeah, and thrive from it. They, they relish life. They relish every moment. And you don't get. You don't get through. You don't experience too many things that are that much tougher. So I would imagine they don't sweat the small stuff too much. (laughs) 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 And they they relish every moment of life, whether it's with each other, whether it's with their family members, whether it's with their children, whether it's having a sip of wine or whatever. So that's a really good point that you make. So I want to talk to you a little bit. I know you mentioned being in the army and also being, you know, needing help and going to a therapist. And that was kind of your awakening. Did you feel, because I know this is kind of really big in the news right now with PTSD and a lot of soldiers not getting the mental help they need. Do you feel that that's something that's lacking in the military, the, the adequate mental health and the, and that's something that our soldiers could really, um, benefit from because I know that when I went overseas uh, with the USO to perform as a comedian that a lot of uh, bases that we went to were R&R bases and you know the soldiers would get two weeks rest and then be back in civilian life and they didn't seem like they had dealt with all their problems in that two weeks <laughs> yeah there's no there's no good hospital system there's no good system there's no perfect the VA um <laughs> It's it's a very good system. They're caring and they try, uh, but they're limited fiscally and they're limited in terms of manpower. You've got h- tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of soldiers, 
and you know a couple hundred maybe a couple thousand therapists and not everybody wants help but the ones that do there's just not enough time and there there aren't enough therapists but that's a very good system and getting good quality help i mean there's just like in any profession there's great doctors there's great surgeons and there's average and then there's very limited doctors and surgeons same thing with with therapists same thing with dentists same thing with comedians <laughs> so, <laughs> what are you trying to say no i'm just kidding <laughs> no you're one of the greats but like there's plenty. <laughs> so yeah in a perfect world, everybody gets off the plane from Iraq or Afghanistan and goes right to the to a VA and gets six months of de decompression and debriefing and therapy and group work and one on one work and med management and yeah, that would be great in a perfect world, but it's just not happening. So those people uh, they're stuck with some serious stuff and was were your issues related to being uh in the army or was it just family stuff from back home i mean you don't have to go into detail but no or no i had um limited parents <laughs> my father was my father's a good man with uh <clears throat> with a good heart but as a parent <clears throat> he had a <clears throat> he was very limited Cool. <laughs> and not his fault. He wasn't malicious. He just didn't. I think a lot, a lot of people can relate to that. He was just unskilled. He didn't. He, he wasn't trying to be mean. That's just who he was. And he just he didn't know how to communicate love. He didn't. He was he was comfortable communicating in put downs or you morons or why do I bother? You're so stupid or so there was no love. And and my mother was a bit. um um, controlling, shrewish. And so, um, I got good things from other family members, my aunt, my grandmother, but the main ones, you know, if you don't get certain things, and again, from an existential point of view, it's all perfect, but if, (laughs) but from a, a black and white point of view, if a child doesn't get certain things growing up, my father was good with toys, with a roof, with food, you know, the fun stuff. But the stuff that helps you develop a good, a strong self-image, confidence, self-love, um, p- positive uh, communication skills, not so good. As a matter of fact, terrible. So, <laughs> and so you get, in a black and white perspective. <laughs> yeah, very much so. So here I am, and you know he's me. He was mean. So. But, well, let's look at this from the, and let's dissect you, Tim, from an existential perspective, because you're telling me your dad didn't know what he was doing, yet you've gone into therapy because of it, because you were inspired to it, and you've helped dozens of people. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. I wasn't... Right? Actually, I wasn't judging my father's way as wrong. No, no, I'm not judging you either. I'm saying let's look at it from a true existential perspective, as the example that you gave earlier. So, you know, your dad maybe didn't have the correct or not correct, but the healthiest tools to pass down to you. Yet because of that, it led you to go, you know, <laughs> seek personal development, which led you to help other people with their own personal development. So this is, it actually mirrors, I mean, not the rape in the intensity, but the rape example that you gave in your own personal life. It's a good point that you make, but it's not necessarily um, correlated. 
I, I may never have gone to therapy. And, you know, he, he was a funky parent and I became a therapist to help other people. My brothers and sisters are drug addicts and alcoholics. So, um, I could have been the same. And so (laughs) there are so many different facets and so many different possibilities and so many different directions that you, you, you can go in, but I get what you're saying. It seems like, it seems black and white (laughs) that I, I got, I got help because of the way my father and my mother impacted me, but I may not have gotten help. It's just, there's just too many elements, too many possibilities, but I definitely get what you're saying. I just don't see it as, (laughs) as black and white myself, but yeah. Well, it could be some, but I mean, because the rapist in the example you gave with the existentialism may could could have not gotten help. You know, tons of people get raped and they just kind of emotionally fall apart. Right, very true. So that that the the experience, the example I gave of the rapist facilitating the help of millions. That's kind of a general general. It's, I mean, it's kind of a one possibility. Another woman that experienced that could be totally fractured uh, mentally and emotionally and just never really do anything. So existentially, that's neither right or wrong. But I wouldn't I would never say this happens and then this could this will happen. It's more like this happens and a billion possibilities (laughs) could happen. (laughs) Well, that's everything. Yeah, I might have just been watching a TV commercial and and seen a commercial for a a medicine, a depression medicine and gotten on that. So I guess what I'm saying is I don't have you don't know the truth and you don't have the answer. (laughs) (laughs) And neither and none of us do. (laughs) Well, I think we have our version, our version. (laughs) I and as a therapist I do have ideas in terms of what I qualify as being more effective. So if I see a person like I was a drug and alcohol counselor for a while and I I'm not a drug and alcohol addict or drug or I'm not an addict. I was never a dependent. And they they'd be like, "Well, how can you relate? How can you help me? You you don't have an addiction." And I don't have to have an addiction to know that this is what you do to deal with it in a different way than what you are doing. <laughs> what you're doing is not working and it's never going to work. So I have strategies that I've learned from school that you can implement that are different than what you're doing that might help <laughs> because relapse is crazy in that field. So... Yeah, and the same thing with with being married. I I would or like I've worked with parents that had challenging children. I never had any kids. Well, how can you tell tell me how to be a good parent? You don't you don't have any kids. I don't have to have kids. But I <laughs> but I am going to teach you. I do see what you're doing, and I see very clearly what you're doing that isn't working, and I'm going to help you with some ideas. That might work better if you stick with them. Just like with. Drugs. I think that I think that's a really good point that you're making because I know 
that a lot of people feel that you have to have that specific life experience to be able to talk about it. You know, I know people saying, well, they want to talk to someone who's had that, that background, you know, well, I want to talk to someone who's, uh, um, like I know, I know uh, someone who teaches comedy classes and they're a really amazing comedy teacher, but you know, they haven't had that much success in the comedy world, but they're an amazing comedy teacher. And, you know, I've heard people say, well, why would you go to that, that person? You know, he's not even that successful and, or as a comedian, but it doesn't mean that he can't see what the person is doing right or wrong. And, or, or maybe that will work more or less for them. The same thing, like you said, with kids, it's like a lot of people think, well, you have to have kids to be able to tell me how to raise kids, you know, correctly or whatever. But it, it it's, it's important to know that, that they're not, I guess, directly connected, if that makes any sense. Because you can't advise someone on how to be a healthier parent or more effective parent, yet you don't have kids. You make such a good point. And even with a, with a teacher who teaches stand-up, it, it may not, he may not be great with his – he may not ever have great material, but he can teach timing and he can teach delivery and he can teach pacing. So – like there's there's and you may be like one of the greatest singers in the world better than mariah carey or um uh michael bolton (laughs) he's (laughs) got a good voice but um, yeah but but maybe you can't teach you can only do the thing you can't you maybe you can sing really great but when it comes to actually teaching music to students you would be clueless or uncomfortable with it so i think that's a really important point that you make about the fact that you as a therapist or counselor can because i think people get really defensive about that well you don't have kids you don't know what you're talking about and i i've heard that before with you know um people feeling that desire to only hear advice or support from other people who have been through that experience but you don't necessarily have to go through a horrible experience to see what the person is doing that's not as effective as it could be exactly and that's the thing when you're when you're in it and you're doing the same stuff that's not working when you're in it you don't really you're kind of in it from from repetition from habit from um perpetuating it um it's kind of how you're built your persona, underlying themes, unconscious themes. So you might kind of see it from a rational perspective, but because of the way you're built, it's not easy to change. So same thing with relationships. You don't, you don't counsel your partner. You go to somebody anyway. So yeah, when you're... (laughs) (laughs) So let's talk about men talk. Um, why did you decide to write a book on men only and not because you count, do you counsel co-ed, correct? Do you counsel men and women or are you just counseling men? No, I, I, I counsel everybody and kids. Yeah. So, and kids. So, you know, why did you decide I'm going to do a book? You know, you have a men talk and gay men talk, correct? Well, I, I don't get enough, like men open up to me. I've had a lot of- <laughs> I've had a lot of I've known a lot of gay men and I've as very good friends and I don't I know I've known one lesbian. <laughs> so how much material am I going to have? 
and I'd only talk to her a couple times. They're like a secret society. So, so I, you like the men that I've been around are very open about their their sexual um, lives and their sexual experiences. What woman, straight or lesbian, is going to tell me about? But I mean, even in your even in your counseling sessions, you didn't have women open up to the point where you thought, you know, I'm going to write a book called People Talk. Um, I just didn't have enough material, and I really, <laughs> okay. I really wanted the focus to be more on what I really resonated with, because. The thing about it is the books are they're extreme, they're very intense and they're they're coarse. Um uh, and they're fun too and um very real. So uh, I I got lighter stuff from women, but yeah. I just uh had just so much more material and I thought it was more intense the stuff that i got (laughs) and i didn't it's just sometimes it can be too much so it was easier just to have that angle of the men and also i i I do like it because i think that a lot of men um men do talk to you but i in in general you know women talk and women talk a lot in the mainstream so uh it's a very different perspective for sure um, how long did it take you to write the books, or the book series? I, actually, the first one came out. I started working on them somewhere around 92, and then I put the first one out in 2000. <clears throat> it's, a very, it's a very odd process because <clears throat> if you look at Men Talk, Men Talk covers a lot of things from politics and pop culture and every kind of sex you can dream of. There's no gay material in it. I put that in um, Gay Men Talk. And then, um, so if you, the style that I utilize, I'll have short quotes, then I'll have a long quote, uh, but I won't have like two or three sex quotes in a row. I'll have, (laughs) you have to buffer them. (laughs) Well, I don't want it to be redundant. So I like it to be off, off putting or like, I like to keep you like off, like put off in a way, (laughs) not put off, but like, I like to keep people on their toes on their toes yeah in a way (laughs) so like one quote might be about being molested um uh, by an uncle and then the next quote might be about oprah or (laughs) or um like a a political quote um and then uh, the next quote might be about the challenges of raising uh your child and the next quote might be about piss or farting or <laughs> so it keeps yeah it really it doesn't it keeps it's a pace that is kind of you want to keep people interested and 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 different different stuff basically different material yeah it's some some are touching some and then the next one thing the next one might be very shocking so <laughs> i like that and then again a longer one then there might be a, a meaning of life or f- a philosophical quote but then men talk sex is <clears throat> pretty much only sex. And um but that that's gay and straight. And the gay men talk is transgender, bi, closeted stuff, um, obviously gay, some lesbian stuff, um 
Have you ever had a client come up to you and say, hey, Tim, that I, I saw that quote. That's about me. That's not cool. <laughs> it, it, no, but I have had clients say, hey, I recognize that quote. And uh, <laughs> was that me you were talking about? And <clears throat> But the great thing about it is there's no, there's no race. There's no age. And um, so you have you have really no idea unless it's clearly gay or straight or bi but otherwise you don't know if it's a black man or hispanic or and uh and you wanted it that way yeah i wanted like i said i didn't want it to be colored by uh those qualifiers uh and then men talkisms like if you've you know yogi berra the the famous yankee catcher yeah well he he was a kind of a he was kind of an eccentric he he would he had these things called yogiisms like as a classic example somebody says hey yogi what time is it and his response was you mean now <laughs> <laughs> which is you know quirky uh, and that's what mentalkisms is it's just like shorter weird like what does that mean kind of a <laughs> quote and um mentalk solids liquids and gases is all bodily functions I can see by the title. <laughs> well, unfortunately, Tim, we have to wrap up. The hour has gone by very quickly. Um, I Everyone visit mentalk.org. Tim, do you have anything else to promote or where can we find you online? Yeah, that's, the, that's my site and the books are all over Amazon and there's links all over my site. And yeah, so it's easy. <laughs> and uh, what, what are you on Twitter? Um, I don't know, but... <laughs> <laughs> is it is there a link on your uh on your mentalk.org? Yeah, uh, yes, there is. And uh it's um I think it's uh I, I forget the my name, but yeah, it's just mentalk.org or mentalk books and I'm all over the place from Facebook to what are the other ones? Pinterest? <laughs> <laughs> no, cuz I I put them down as pictures and people really love them. It's a picture of a very short quote. Well, thank you so much, Tim, for being with us. Guys, thank you so much for listening to Out of the Box Podcast with Rosie Tran. Don't forget forget to visit outoftheboxpodcast.com and click on the donate button. We're now accepting Litecoins and Bitcoins. Also, Out of the Box is sponsored by HugMeTees.com. Spread love, give a hug. HugMeTees.com. Thanks for listening to Out of the Box. Out of the Box.